Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Before I start, just uh, two brief words. One, thank you for your prayers and concern. Thankfully, my case of COVID last weekend was very mild and, uh, and short. So I, so I served my five days of quarantine and uh, have been out. Uh, second thing I forgot to announce, Pastor James and Miss Stacy are at the ELCA Youth Extravaganza this weekend. They return tonight. So they are not with us today, and uh, no youth this afternoon. Let's pray. <clears throat> Gracious and loving God, still our hearts and minds that we might be fully present for you as you feed us in word, song, and sacrament this day. Strengthen us and give us what we need for our lives as your disciples. Amen. Everybody has a call story. A call story. That story of how you found your purpose in life, your vocation, your career. You know, vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, which means to call. So even if you're not a roster leader, a pastor, you found a calling. You have a calling. And we all come to that in different ways, I've observed through the years, and I'm taking great liberties with my family here to share my observation of their call stories briefly. We all came to our vocations in just my family very differently. For example, Brenda, who's gifted in music, majored in music ed, but she grew up in a household where her father was an administrator for two different state care facilities. And in that environment, she had a a yearning, a passion to care for people and use music. She became a music therapist, pulling those two things together. Rachel, on the other hand, Rachel sat down at dinner table one night in the fifth grade and said, don't be mad, Dad. I don't want to work for the church. I said, good. <laughs> she said, I said, what do you want to do? She said, I want to be a social worker. And so she went to App State, majored in social work, minored in Spanish because she saw that need and that would be important. And she's been a social worker, an amazing worker with children in Henderson County for 15 years and counting now. And Elliot was kind of in between the two. 
Um, went to App State, wasn't sure what he wanted to do, so he spent a year with young adults in global mission in South Africa, serving with the church there, uh, people on the fringes and coming out of apartheid and all of that kind of stuff. And he got back and it took a while. And then he had an invitation to come to work for LSC in the development office. And in that phone call, that conversation launched him into a career that he's passionate about as a financial development officer for nonprofits that serve, a particular nonprofit now, that serves people on the fringes, people in need. Me, I was even different. I enjoyed college a lot, beat my head against the wall majoring in chemistry, which I haven't used, <laughs> except for two years after college where I said, I need to try this major out. And then work was starting to get in the way of the things I was doing at the church where I was a member at the time, working with youth, helping in worship service, teaching confirmation. And so it was time to wrestle with that sense of call and discernment. And I decided that I needed to ch at least check that out and go to seminary, see if that was my call. And it was affirmed when I went on the first date with Brenda and she said, are you interested in grad school? What are you going to do? You're just going to be a chemist all your life? I said, well, I plan to go to seminary. And that didn't scare her off. So I was, that was a good sign, Lord. <laughs> and so um, here I am uh, all these years later. It was a significant enough change in call that um, at homecoming, after I decided to go to seminary, that my college roommate came up at homecoming and said, all the fraternity brothers are saying, are you really going to seminary? <laughs> so here I am still. A calling or a, to a vocation or a career comes to each of us differently in unique ways. And I think it's often about timing. When's the time right? It was different right times for Rachel and Brenda and Elliot and I in our lives, and it's been different timing for you. Today, Mark recounts when the time was right for Jesus to call his first disciples. John's been arrested. Jesus comes into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And we know that the good news is that story that Mark's writing. The first verse in Mark's gospel says, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So here Jesus comes proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So, what is this good news that's being proclaimed to a people who are starving for hope, to people who are searching for a way just to survive the crushing Roman occupation, to people who have seen dreams and invitations and possibilities die repeatedly as the Roman army snuffed out the life of false messiah after false messiah in those recent years? So here Jesus comes into Galilee proclaiming the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. That was the whole sermon. Wouldn't you love for my sermon to be that short? <laughs> I'd settle for one that was just an inch that powerful. 
But this single sentence sermon is just jam-packed with information that I want to unpack this morning briefly. The time is fulfilled, Jesus says. Some of you know that Greek has two words for time. There's chronos time, the tick, 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 watch time, calendar time that meters out our life, that shapes our life, that sometimes feels like holds us hostage in the way it keeps us to a schedule, ordering our lives predictable and steady. And then there's kairos time, kairos, God's time, the unique specific times in human history when God breaks into chronological time and acts. Scripture is filled with kairos moments and Throughout the Old Testament, um, the burning bush for Moses, the, the call of David, and in the New Testament, Gabriel's announcement to Mary, the birth of Jesus, the nearness of God's kingdom coming here today in the person of Jesus. So Kairos time, a unique time. It's breaking in here and now, and Jesus names the good news that's breaking in. The kingdom of God has come near. For in Jesus, the kingdom is present. The values that the Messiah brings, the fulfillment of God's covenant made long ago to keep a member of the house of David on the throne in Israel has arrived. God's reign, God's presence is breaking in to bring a different order to humanity, to bring redemption to us. And then Jesus goes on and tells us, what the response is to be, what's expected of us with the arrival of God's kingdom. Repent and believe in the good news. And here again, Greek grammar teaches us what the response that's expected is. And it's verb tense. Throughout Scripture, we have the indicative imperative pattern where indicative God acts first. We're told what God does. And the imperative, the expectation, the command for our response tells us what's expected. The indicative, the kingdom of God has come near. This is what God's doing. Our response, repent and believe. Repent. One more Greek word this morning, sorry. Metanoia, repent. It's a turning with your whole body and spirit, your whole self, not just the turning, saying, I'm sorry at confession, but our whole body and spirit turning away and turning toward this good news that's come near, a heartfelt, deep turning toward a new reality, reorienting ourselves, our values, our thinking, our hopes and possibilities from the ways of this world to the ways of the kingdom of God that's near in the person of Jesus. And then the second part is to believe having turned toward God's kingdom to grasp it with all, for all we're worth, with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to invest ourselves completely by living in and supporting the values of God's kingdom that Jesus proclaims and lives out in his ministry on earth. So that's the message that Jesus is announcing along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And then he comes on these fishermen, Simon, Andrew, James, and John, and we see what the response to this good news looks like. It's like a living illustration, if you will, for us. 
Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you, the reading said, fish for people. And their response is immediate. Immediate. They drop their nets. They abandon their boats, their livelihood, their families. And we know that Simon had a mother-in-law, so he abandoned a spouse as well, all to follow Jesus, leaving their trade, turning toward Jesus who's bringing the kingdom of God near in his presence. And they put complete faith and trust in Jesus, this itinerant preacher. And all they've heard is that one-sentence sermon. They leave everything for the sake of the good news of God's kingdom embodied in Jesus, and they follow him. But here's a key detail for me in this story. The RSV translation that we read says Jesus called them to fish for people. Fish for people. Now it's interesting, and I don't know why those scholars that are, chose that phrasing because the Greek word that's translated fish for people there is the exactly the same word in the verse before that's translated fishermen. The same word. You know, things get lost in translation sometimes. And I think this detail is important. And, and I uh, uh, shout out to, to Brad Trick. I touched base with him because I'd seen these different translations. And uh, so just wanted to verify that because it's significant, I think. Because what Jesus is telling us is not calling us, wasn't calling them or us to a hobby or a task of fishing, like when we go fishing on our, go fishing, trout fishing on the weekend, or we go deep sea fishing. Jesus isn't calling us to a hobby or an individual task that we can take and leave. He's calling us to a new life, to a new vocation, rooted in belief and orientation toward the kingdom. He's calling us to be fishers of people, to be fishermen, fisherwomen, a vocation that takes our whole life as we turn from the old and turn toward Jesus. So what's it mean for us? I think it tells us what being a disciple is all about, a follower of Jesus. It takes our whole being. It's a lifestyle. It's not something we can pick and choose or, or do a couple hours on Sunday morning and again on Wednesday night. It's everything we do reflects and grows out of that. It's a lifestyle, a pattern of relating to the world, relating to people, because we are a follower of Jesus. We are fishers of people. We are followers of Jesus, not fishing individual tasks or acts. And so as followers of Jesus, as fishers of people, as our vocation That's 24-7. Everything we do, everything we don't do, emanates from and bears witness to who we are as one who has heard the call of our Lord, reorienting us from the ways of this world to the ways of the kingdom, the values that Jesus proclaimed and exhibited in his ministry. And to do that today and every day, it's not optional for following Jesus. 
these values become fully integrated and guide us in how we interact at work, at home, how we go about tasks, how we interact with the world and everything. Most folks aren't called to full-time rostered ministry, but you have a calling just the same. Martin Luther counseled something to the effect, if you make shoes, that's your calling. Make the best shoes you can. And when you do that, you glorify God. So how can you best fulfill your calling to be a follower of Jesus in your work, in your play, at school, wherever you might be? What's your call story for how you got there? Take some time at dinner today and and chat about that around the table with your family or friends. It's always powerful and interesting to hear one another's call story because our call to follow Jesus merges with that work-career vocation. Be a follower of Jesus. Be a fisher for people. Live the good news in Jesus because the kingdom of God is near. And in your words and by your example, invite others you know to come experience this good news with you in worship, at play, in Bible study, children's ministry, youth ministry, volunteering, serving in the community. The time is right. The time is now. Let's be fishers of people. Amen.